so nerve-wracking. I guess we just say hello and welcome to your friends and mine. I'm Haley. I'm Elle. And this is our first episode about... Did I say your friends and mine? You did. It's oh my gosh. Mine. It's okay, you're nervous. <laughs> I'm so nervous. Okay, welcome to our podcast, Your Faves and Mine. I'm Haley. And I'm Elle. And we're going to talk about the Goonies today. Goonies. Actually, it's tonight. It's Christmas Eve Eve, and we are... In our bed, doing our podcast. This is pretty awesome. Uh, so yeah, we're doing the Goonies, and what's your history with the Goonies, Al? Goonies never see die. <laughs> That's true. No, but my history is Goonies came out in 1985, the year after I was born, but I think I first saw the Goonies literally... By 1987, 88, I was really young, but I saw The Goonies for the first time, and it was still a hot movie. Um, it was hot. It was hot. <laughs> it was hot like fire. But no, it was still hot uh, when I first saw it. Brand and, was hot like fire. Well, <laughs> according to the to, according to the gals, to the gals, the gals, gals and, and <laughs> Teen Beat and yeah. and you know all those other heartthrob magazines. Yeah, Brand was kind of like the guy, but um, yeah. I had it on VHS for all you oh, yeah. youngins that don't even know what VHS is. What does it even stand for? I tried to like think of it. It's video... I don't even know. Uh, I can Google it, but yeah. Yeah, we'll Google it and then we'll, we'll yeah. recap on VHSs. Yeah, we had, we had it on VHS too um, when I was a kid. And it came out the year before I was born, um, but my stepbrother was three years older than me. And so he probably saw it, like, not when it came out, but a little bit after it came out. But we watched it, like, all the time in my house. And, uh, yeah, it's just been, like, a classic movie. I haven't revisited it, though, in a long time, like, since we watched it together the other night. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much watched the Goonies. You have a Goonies shirt. I do have a Goonies shirt. I have... I have a chunk shirt, Truffle Shuffle. And by the way, VHS stands for Video Home System. Oh. So VHS tapes oh, are Video Home System tapes. I get it. I get it. That's cool. Um, so yeah, so it was basically like a favorite for both of us. I think some of the movies that we cover on this podcast will be like ones that were your favorites, but like I never saw and vice versa. Or ones that are your favorites that I straight up hate and vice versa. And we'll just get through it. Yeah, it's going to be painful in some of the movies. Lord of the Rings. I'll be like hating life. Uh, Maybe we could just not do Lord of the Rings because that would be like way too many episodes probably to cover that movie or those movies. We'll decide at the the juncture if we're going to do Lord of the Rings. Okay. I think we should uh, at least dabble in The Hobbit. Oh, God. Okay, we'll see. We'll talk about it. Um, so I got a movie synopsis. Like, I'm sure everybody's seen The Goonies. Like, every American who's a millennial has probably seen The Goonies. Or every American between the ages of, like, 30 and 50. I would have to say anyone 
Yeah, I, I would. I say mean, because like Gen I'll bet X a lot of Sue. younger kids like haven't seen it. Like yeah, people I would in say their Gen 20s. Z's, probably the Gen Zs, yeah. unless they have older brothers or sisters, they probably have not seen it. But everyone who's seen it is probably Gen Xers all the way to at least childhood would be Gen Xers all the way to older millennials, and then anyone that's. Like our parents' age, because they watched it with us. So like. Yeah, but they weren't like, I wouldn't necessarily they say like they were fans. fans. Yeah. I, I would say, they probably just watched it because they knew that we wanted to. But. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, Gen Zs they probably have no idea unless it's an older sibling that yeah. has to do with it. Okay, so I got this movie synopsis off of Google, and it's kind of a funny synopsis. I'm just gonna read it, um, even though I'm sure everybody already knows what Goonies is about. A band of adventurous kids take on the might of a property-developing company which plans to destroy their homes to build a country club. When the children discover an old pirate map in the attic, they follow it to an underground cavern in search of lost treasure, but come up against plenty of dangerous obstacles along the way. Yeah, I guess that's... That pretty much does sum up the movie, uh, but you know, it just just doesn't give it enough... Yeah, it doesn't doesn't illustrate the... yeah. Yeah. It's kind of bland, um, like brand. But, hey. Um, f- uh, going back to personal history really quick, I just have to brag that I've been to the Goonies house because I used to live near Astoria, Oregon, and the house is there. It's legit. They don't let you inside because I think like a regular human lives there, but they have like the a sign out front and you're allowed to take pictures and stuff. So I just went there on a little day trip once and it was cute and I feel like I don't know if they really filmed in Astoria but I mean aside from like that house like the outside of the house or whatever but I feel like they did a good job of the scenery I mean it looks like Oregon so it all looks the same in the P&Dub yeah it does I um, call it we call it the P&Dub I'm from the P&Dub it all looks the same. Basically, whenever I see like pretty scenery in a movie, I'm like, oh, I'll bet they filmed in the Pacific Northwest. But um, yeah, anywho. So we want to discuss, well, it's mostly me and Al is just like indulging me. But <laughs> I want to discuss like how these movies that we were so fond of in our youth treat like women and people of color people with disabilities, um, basically how movies treat minority characters. And so first, I guess we could talk about the female characters because ladies, yeah. ladies well, there's, rule. There's a few female characters in the Goonies. I mean, you have, you have the um, good old Andy. Mm-hmm. Who Played is, by Carrie Green. Yeah, good old Carrie Green. So you have Andy who... Um, I guess she could be like the opposite of Brand when it comes to, you know, because Brand was like the teenage heartthrob for the for the ladies, and mm-hmm. I guess Andy would have been, you know, the heartthrob for the guys. If you know, I would say teenage guys. Yeah, she was like conventionally attractive, um, cheerleader, cheerleader, white girl, like happy, skinny. Yeah, she was um, definitely like. Yeah, I mean, the, that's the role she was playing. And then yeah. you have her friend, Steph. Martha Plimpton. Yeah, and Steph. I love her. I actually her. like Steph. I think Steph is pretty awesome. She is awesome. Because Steph is just like, literally, throughout the whole movie, Steph is like, that like, 
even though even though obviously you know Steph is Caucasian, but Steph is like throughout the whole movie like that black friend that like tells you Mm-mm, we shouldn't be doing this. She had common sense. She had like common yeah. sense, and I, and I don't mean to say like the black friend, but like literally when you think of like movies and it's like the black guy or the black chick, they're just all like they're like yo. Like some stuff's gonna go down. Something's like, about to go down. We should be cautious. We should not. And then like Andy's just like la 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 la. la but Brand is so cute. What about Troy? I don't know. We'll talk about Troy. Yeah, later. Troy's a fucking. But Steph, Steph is just a boss. But then yeah, I love her. We can't forget about you know good old Brand and Mikey's mom. You know, Mrs. Walsh, played by Mary Ellen Trainer. Yeah, I mean. You know, poor lady, you know, is kind of walking around in like a, a walking cast and a sling. Looks like she probably has either, well, I would say knowing them, they probably have like tennis elbow. But since her, their oh, family yeah. did not have money the way that, you know, you know, Andy or, or other family or families did in Astoria, I would say she probably hurt her elbow or hurt her arm probably doing something around the house or maybe she she was probably a stay-at-home mom yeah, or like maybe fell. like a secretary or yeah. something like that like considering the time and just yeah. the fact i mean they did hire rosalita yeah and i think played by lupe ontiveros i'm not sure if I i'm mispronouncing so, yeah. um but she's a badass she played Carlos's mom on Desperate Housewives, among like a million other things, but oh, I was a stuff. Desperate Housewives fan, and yeah, she was a badass bitch on Desperate Housewives. Well, yeah, and, and I think with her, with like Rosalita, I think the first, you know, the thing that you kind of you get is that okay, the family has the family has this obviously hispanic latino latinx um you know made uh you know or she was like she hired was, to basically help them pack or, or something or i don't even know if she was even hired to help them pack cuz they were moving i mean they were assuming that they were losing their house yeah and i think you know it's kind of like i think that Mrs. Walsh needed the help obviously because she hurt her she hurt her arm okay I I was a little confused but yeah that makes sense but you know I would say that you kind of feel bad for Rosalita because first of all Rosalita doesn't speak any English and they kind of exploit that a little bit in the movie um that she does not speak English especially with mouth Yeah. yeah so mouth you know mouth actually is it's a cool character to me. I think that Mouth um, definitely has a little spunk to him, and, but you should see that he's he, a little mouthy. He well, literally, <laughs> you know, good old Corey Feldman. I mean, yeah, love you, him. You, you, you love can't him. really yeah. hate Corey Feldman, but when you see that Mouth played by Corey Feldman, it's kind of like using the fact that he knows how to speak Spanish, but he's going to torture Rosalita. Yeah, he was kind of he was like bullying her because. Yeah, and he was going to poke yeah. fun at her. And, yeah. You know, Mrs. Walsh is trying to tell her different things about the house and, you know, where things go. And then Mouth was translating it into making it seem like the Walshes were literally like drug kingpins or <laughs> something. And Rosalita's just like, Jesus. She's, she even says she's like, Dios mío. And she's yeah. like, you know. And he like, also like threatened or said like, if you don't behave or something, they're going to lock you in the... Yeah attic or which something. is just like wrong. yeah like i was like oh god like, like problematic 80s yeah and, and you know what it's like when you're a kid and you're watching that movie 
It's hilarious. And that, like, you don't pick up on it. Like, you... I don't know. Like, I don't remember thinking, like... I just thought, like, oh, he's being a brat. But I didn't think of it, like, he's... This is kind of, like, a like a low-key, like, racist situation going on here with, like, an immigrant woman who doesn't speak English and she's being, you know, bullied by this yeah. kid. Like, I was just kind of, like... I just didn't make that connection when I was a little kid. Yeah, and it's kind of... I just thought he was being a dick. Yeah, I think he's... I mean, even to this day, I, I kind of wonder if it was really him just being, a, like, an asshole or him being... I don't think he was trying to be low-key racist. I think he was just being an asshole. But, but you but, can perceive it yeah. as what the tone of the movie was trying to portray. But at the same time, you know, I think the good part about it is that they did not focus in on that, you know, only for like a scene. After that, you know, uh, Rosalita actually throughout the movie, when she, the, the certain parts that she does have, like the part when Brand is like tied up because the kids, you know, decide to like escape the house after oh yeah so brand's tied up and then with the boys when mikey and data and chunk and mouth decide to go on the treasure hunt you know rosalita comes in the house helping their mom with the groceries and brand is like laying there like tied up with his gym equipment and rosalita's like laughing at them so it's almost like rosalita's like getting her revenge but didn't did she untie him because no, remember no one untied him the they mom him there. okay because the mom came in and he was like help me and she just is that's one thing that really bugged me about their mom was she was just like so like flighty and just like it was like maddening to me that he was like tied up and he's like mom help me and she's just like oh you blah 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 and yeah. she just like walked away and then she's just like where's your brother yeah and he's yeah. like trying to tell her and she's just like so flighty i hate like hate that i hate that i don't know it's like triggering to me <laughs> like but i mean that's that's how she was written like it's not yeah her fault but um so oh and then there's mama fratelli we can't forget <laughs> Mama Fratelli. Mama Fratelli. So Mama Fratelli is... Played by Anne Ramsey. And yeah, and Anne Ramsey, you know, God rest her soul, you know, she passed away a few years, I believe, after The Goonies was yeah. released. And, you know, Mama Fratelli is your classic, like, mother who raised, like, baby boomers who probably smoked a pack of cigs a day, drank while she was pregnant, and literally probably was maybe first generation, you know, off the boat from Italy, maybe not. Mm -hmm. Maybe her kids, you know, the, the two brothers were first generation. But she's a problematic mother in general. You know, she... <laughs> She just, um, she, she is almost like she takes joy out of, you know, beating her sons or oh, yeah. treating them well, like and wrongfully. Oh yeah. Like she calls them sissies and she, yeah. well, we'll get into like sloth. 
Yeah, and yeah. then, you know, and poor Sloth, but with, with Mama Fratelli, you know, you just, you kind of look at her and you're just like, geez, like, she's really not that good of a mom. And it could be the fact of how she was raised. Um, it could be the fact that, you know, she could have been a single mom. It could be, like you said, it, it could be that she's a first-generation American and it's kind of playing into the stereotype of, like, immigrant parents being really harsh harsh and kids. yeah i mean that could be what they were going for or it could just be that they were like oh she's a fucking hard ass and she wants her boys to be tough too and it seems like they tough, try to yeah. be tough but at the same time they're they're not as tough as their mom and you know i would have to say too with mama fratelli she kind of but the whole fratelli family they kind of play the typical what was popular in you know the 70s and 80s when it came to Italian immigrants it was you know we were still in the height of the you know the godfather era the Italian the stereotypes of Italians the the stereotypes of you know, the majority of Italians, especially during that time, they were somehow connected to crime or yeah. they were somehow connected to the mafia and, and what so have you. And um, so and Mama Fratelli kind of fits that role of a crime boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking that. You know, yeah. but not a polished crime boss, like yeah. a crime boss who's kind of been through some shit. And also, it doesn't seem like they had a big connection of, like, uh, members in their crime organization. Like, it was just kind of her and her kids. Because I can speak from experience. Like, I'm an Italian person, and I'm from the PN-Dub, but there are, like, no Italian people in the PN-Dub. Like, (laughs) so it doesn't surprise me that they didn't have, like, a big network of other Italian folks in yeah. their uh, crime uh, network. Yeah, I <laughs> but, agree. Um, okay, so that's those are the female characters. And then for characters that were not white, so like the, the people of color in the film, we already talked about Rosalita. Um, you know, she was cast as the maid and which... And, which is not great. It it they, you know, it was it's a shame that they cast the one Latinx woman as a stereotypical role. Um so that sucks. That that wasn't great. Um and then Data, um, played by Jonathan Kekwan or Kekwan. Um, he is awesome. Yeah. Data's rad. Jonathan Kekwan, if a lot of you don't know, you know, the Goonies, you know, around this time, Jonathan Kaquan was kind of like, he was a hot ticket. Because he was in Indiana Jones, right? He was also in Indiana Jones. He was short round in Indiana Jones. And we're not going to go into the name of short round. But, yeah, so he was a child actor that was a hot ticket. And, you know, I would say when it comes to the Goonies, they actually did him justice in my opinion they didn't have him play you know you can tell that the 80s was probably the time frame that when it came to um 
people of Asian descent playing in roles. The Goonies, in my opinion, was one of the first ones that kind of did not typecast them and make them play the stereotypical, you know, uh, racist or prejudiced, like, Asian person. Data was just this kid. No, you don't mean... Do do you mean the Asian characters were racist? Or do you mean treating Asian characters in a racist way? Treating the Asian characters in, like, a racist way. Like Like on the Christmas story or whatever? Yeah, exactly. Like on on a Christmas story. Yeah. Um, But Data, literally, was just treated like one of the Goonies. The only thing that they kind of harped on Data about was the fact that he was a klutz and that he was just really smart. Now, obviously, you can probably say that, okay, they, they would say that stereotypically that Asian uh, Americans or people of Asian descent um, sometimes are considered having a higher intelligence, but they didn't... The characters of the Goonies did not push that. It was Data who, you know, he was into his inventions. But a lot of it stemmed from the fact, if you really pay attention to it, his dad was an inventor. Mm-hmm. It w- Yeah, it wasn't the same as, like, the model minority stereotype. No. Like, it, it was, it, yeah, I feel like it wasn't as gross as... Yeah. As you've seen it in other movies, especially movies of like from the 80s yeah. and 90s. Definitely. Um and the only thing I noticed was that um Mrs. Walsh like mispronounced his name, but I wasn't but his it's a nickname. Yeah. So I don't know. She kept saying Dada. She was like Dada. Yeah. And it so could, and it I could be the way know. she says you know cuz some people do say tomato, Data tomato, like da- yeah. yeah, but I was just like I don't think that's like really necessarily like a racist thing that was just like her another example of her being like just flighty and just not flighty paying and not like paying she, she, it's like her it's like her kid's friend and she like doesn't know how to pronounce his yeah. she nickname just knows that this is the kid that's always like crashing through her door yeah because of his zip line yeah so i what i wasn't like overall disappointed necessarily with the way that he was portrayed like to my surprise i i was yeah. Because I, I wasn't sure if I was just remembering the movie through, like, nostalgic rose-colored glasses. And I thought, like, oh, God, I'm going to watch this movie. And there's going to be, like, rape jokes and, like, racial slurs and all this stuff. But there really, there wasn't. Um, That's not really, like, Spielberg's bag a lot of times. At least when it comes to the kid e- movies. Yeah, I'd have to revisit that. Um, but, um there was um, something that I was actually really pleasantly surprised with, which was the examples of, I guess you could call it like healthy masculinity, um, because Brand, there were like a, a couple scenes where I felt like Brand and Mikey were kind of like realistic siblings where they picked on each other, but Brand also looked out for Mikey like he was like you know like you're my punk ass little brother but you're my punk ass little brother and And like yeah and like at the end of the day like Brand wanted to like protect Mikey in the way that a big brother would but he also 
you know, would like pick on him in a realistic way, I thought. But um, there was a scene after the real estate guys showed up with um, to drop off the paperwork for their dad. And after they like walked away, Mikey was standing on the porch and he was crying or he like was looking sad. And Brand actually came over and gave him like a really nice hug. And I was like, wow, that's actually like something you don't see a lot of Mm -hmm. like the like men like showing emotion and like caring for each other in that type of way. So I thought that was sweet. Um, And then um, at the end, like when data, when like all the kids were reunited with their parents, data's dad, like you said, he's an inventor too. And he went to take a picture of data, I think with his mom Mm -hmm. and his camera, like got messed up. Yeah. And, um, his dad was like, Oh, you know, like embarrassed or whatever. And data like called his dad daddy. And he was like, um, he was like something like, it's okay. You can't hug a photograph. And he like gave his dad a hug and his dad was like, you're my greatest invention. And I was just like, wow, that's like really sweet. Like to show that vulnerability between like brothers and between like father and son And then also, like, we haven't talked about Sloth yet, but Chunk and Sloth tell each other that they love each other and they hug also at the end. Um, They say they love each other, like, two different times. And I was just like, that is really cool. Like, that's something that I was actually really impressed with that I wasn't expecting when I, you know, rewatched the movie. Um, Because that's not really stuff that I remembered you know from my childhood but now that I look at things differently I'm like oh wow that's really cool um but then there were also some like toxic masculinity slash gender stereotype situations um I think Troy pretty much is just a piece of shit like we could all agree we I mean the good thing is that the movie is written in such a way that like everybody knows Troy's a piece of shit. Like yeah. no one's rooting for Troy. <laughs> no. The only thing that the only people that are rooting for Troy are like his two buddies when they're at the well. But I mean like watcher. There's nobody no, viewing no one's this movie. Yeah. The movie rooting for Troy. Like so he when he's like first on the scene like it shows him driving the car and Andy's in the passenger seat and Martha, I mean not Martha. <laughs> the actress's name is Martha. Steph is in the back seat. And um, Troy is, like, making his rearview mirror. Um, he's adjusting he's it. He's adjusting it down so he, can, so, he, so he can see Andy's legs. And up, her skirt. Like up her skirt. Yeah. And, he, and she's like, stop it, you know. Um, one thing I did think was, like, a little bit, like, okay, Spielberg, did you really have to do that? Was he didn't stop at just, like, the implication that he was doing that. Like, they actually put the camera so that you could see up her skirt like like it they put uh, the camera yeah. on the mirror so and i was like that was really unnecessary especially since she's playing like an underage girl yeah. um i was like okay they could have cut that but like that was like typical 80s i feel like yeah i think it was typical 80s and it was kind of maybe acceptable for the 80s yeah but it also 
I think what they were also trying to go at was, you know, obviously I don't think they were trying to exploit an underage girl, but they were probably also trying to, in their way, which probably wasn't the right way, they could have just shot the camera angle differently or shot the camera differently, but they were showing the douchiness of Troy. Yeah. I mean, um, she said, like, when she said, yeah. like, if you if you do that again, like, so you yeah. know already, like, what he's doing, but then they had to, like, go and show it. Yeah. Um, and then another Troy douche moment was when him and his friends were hanging out at the wishing well and they and the goonies were actually down below in yeah. the well but the the friends of his were like did you make it with Andy yet like yeah, meaning like did you guys have sex yet yeah. and he's like not yet emphasis on yet and he throws the coin in to wish for it i'm just like oh, i fucking hate you yeah. so that was like shitty and then um and then Andy, actually Brand, like, you know, feminist icon Brand, he referred, when he was, like, referring to Andy at one point, he was, like, telling Mikey, like, go see what she's ragging about. Like, yeah. I think they were down in the well, like, yeah. peeing or something. And she was like, Brand, because she wanted him to come and kiss her. Yeah. But Mikey went. Mikey went instead. And Mikey kissed Mikey her. Mikey got the smooches. Which was what I would consider a sexual assault situation because she did not consent to Mikey kissing her. She thought it was brand. Uh, so I was kind of like, Ooh, Mikey, that was bad. But she pulled Mikey towards her. But yeah, cause she thought that he was someone else. So, I mean, I, it's, I, I, I don't think I can blame like if you can really blame how, how, how old was Mikey supposed to be? Like 12. She, she was barely like 12. Yeah. I mean, now, we will teach our 12-year-old when he's, you know, that that's inappropriate. But, like, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I feel like it wasn't, like, super malicious. But, like, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the best. I don't think that that would fly in a 2020 movie, maybe. Uh, it might. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Would, the reason why I think it would fly in a 2020 movie, like, I can see what, I can see your perspective on it. But if... Like, if looking back on that scene, Mikey was, first of all, his intent, his, his initial intent, or his intent the whole time, in my opinion, is that, one, he was just doing what his big brother said to do. Yeah, he, he said, go see what she wants. Go see what go she wants. What she's ragging on about. And then, if we remember on the scene, too, you know... She was like, I'm over here. And then mm -hmm. he's just like, all right, well, let me just see what the heck is going on. So when he's like looking for her, as soon as he turns around. She we, like grabs she him, grabs right? She grabs him and kisses him. Now. So it's almost like she kind of assaulted it, him. <laughs> it's almost like. Yeah. She, yeah. You can almost say that she assaulted him. But at the same time. He was like, hey. I yeah. would. I would. <laughs> I would defend both of them. Yeah. I would defend both of it them. It was an accident. Because it was an accident. Yeah. And, you know, even she says to Steph, you know, about Brand having braces. Yeah. Like, she didn't even realize. And I think what this kind of proves is really showing how ditzy 
I hate to use that word, but how. But that's how they wrote her. Yeah, they, they, they wrote they, her character. How they wrote the yeah. character of Andy to just be so ditzy and just like not in touch of what the hell is going on and not realizing that one, she's kissing someone who's shorter than her, and two, she's playing into the whole role of, you know, she says, I'm over here. So right. she's just, and then she's like, and, and so, like, Mikey's just, like, trying to find what the hell is wrong with this chick in the dark. So, I mean, I think it's one of those situations that it's, like, if you want to say there was any type of assault, it could have been, like, on her part. But at the same time, I'm defending Andy because, you know, you know she, it was dark in the cave. Poor Mikey, he's freaking probably still has to pee more because his brother, like, stopped him probably, like, midstream. And he's just, like, go check and see what she's talking about. Yeah. Which she's ragging on about. She's ragging on me. ladies and they're ragging on. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, and then there was some uh, body shaming of Chunk. Um, I don't Chunk. I don't like the way that Trouble chubby shelter. characters a lot of times are portrayed in movies as like, slobby or like chubby people are always just like stuffing their faces with junk food like um because that's just not realist that's not real like that's not and why they also portray chunk as you know you know he doesn't know anything like chunk is also the character that if you remember he was the one telling people like, "Yo, we shit's sh- fucked. We we shouldn't fucking go into this freaking cabin slash restaurant." And then he finds the freaking Fratelli's car with the bullet holes, and he keeps trying to tell them, "Yo, something's up." But I think on the flip side of that, what we learn about Chunk, outside of the body shaming, what we learn about Chunk is that Chunk has a history of being the boy who cried wolf. Yeah, it seems like, and they don't really explain it in the movie, but it's just it's just shown to us that no one believes him because he tells tall tales, apparently. Oh, even to the police. Yeah, yeah, like the he calls the police and they're just like, whatever. Yeah. Like, um, which But the leads, body shaming is still... Yeah, like, and they just, they tr- a lot of times chubby people in movies are treated like... They're slobby. They're not as intelligent. Yeah. Like they make him do the truffle shuffle on command, which, which is I have a degrading. Of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 hard. Yeah. Um, but it's like literally. But here's the good news. The good news is that. You know, you know, the actor who played Chunk today. Can't, he doesn't truffle shuffle anymore. But at the same time, I think there was an interview with him. And, you know, he, I mean, he obviously he's, he grew up and he, he got taller and, you know, he got rid of some of the quote unquote baby fat, what some people may call it or whatever you want to call kids back then. And they said, you know, how was it to, you know, play the character of Chunk? And to literally be treated the way that he was mm-hmm. treated. 
and he said there was some some parts that were hard and some parts that were no you know that he actually enjoyed doing mm-hmm. but he understood that the reason that you know that he was playing this character was because of what you're saying you know to be the chubby husky dumb mm-hmm. you know no one believes him mm-hmm. type of character which you know which isn't which wasn't really truly him the actual actor right so yeah i mean i think in, and and chunk wasn't dumb like chunk his wasn't character dumb. wasn't dumb it's just how yeah, it, yeah it, but he was always like jamming his face with food like they have all the like there pizza so jokes and the the, and the candy and like yeah. and it's just kind of like okay like we get it you think they even make a mention they even make a a reference to him going to like fat camp oh did they i missed that when the Fratellis were uh, torturing him, oh, they made a reference to Fat Camp. Yeah. Which, which I think now, in 2020, 2019, however you want to think yeah. it, I mean, we're only a week away from the new year. Yeah. I think that is probably one of the biggest things that probably would not hold. I don't think so. In, 20, in 2020, because... It's just not... It, it's, it's not, not good. Yeah, yeah I, I... There's a way to portray a kid who... Well, but just not in the way that they did it. And the thing is, is that there have been some strides made with that, I think. Like, I don't want to, like, really call out any specific, like, actors or actresses because I don't want to seem like I'm putting them in the category of, like, chubby. But, like, we all know, like, the, the 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 Hollywood standard of beauty is like not realistic so like anybody who's like even a little bit uh, you know heavier than than that standard is considered <laughs> like fat basically but like there have been some characters in recent movies who they were just people yeah. who happened to be chubbier than their friend or whatever yeah. they weren't playing like the chubby best friend they were just like friends and one of them was chubby and it wasn't like treated the same in that same like negative way which is cool um the other thing i guess like going from chunk would be to go to sloth um and sloth is what we'll get to our ratings of the movie at the end but like the treatment of sloth is probably the biggest thing, in my opinion, that would absolutely not fly in a I twenty twenty movie. One hundred percent agree. And you know what? The treatment of sloth, it's more of, it's not even the treatment of sloth by anyone outside of his family. The treatment of sloth and the way that he is treated is literally within his family walls and because they they chained him up so no one else they chained ever saw him it seems uh, like as an infant he was he was mistreated they Um, they say towards the end that she she dropped him him a bunch i don't know if we're supposed to believe that that's why he's um disfigured. disfigured and like a little bit like disabled maybe developmentally disabled it from being dropped but um it's just uh hard to watch like yeah if you really really hard to watch yeah as an adult especially because we're parents and just like imagining like treating our kids 
the and way that mom would It's just you. like, I can't, it's like really unbearable. Yeah. yeah, and like Sloth is like the muscle of the family, but at the same time, he is, tr- he, he's, he's treated like an animal. Yeah. He's chained up. They he's, like he's throw given, food like, at him. cell food. Um, you know, and, you know, he's just treated, he's just mistreated. And I think, I don't, I agree that it wouldn't hold up in 2020 to have a character like this treated, but it also, I think, what it accomplishes is that it accomplishes you as the viewer to establish some type of empathy. Yeah, like, we're not, we're, we know that the way he's treated is bad. Like Even it, as a kid, when I saw this yeah. movie, I... We know that this is a problem. Thank goodness that they didn't uh, make it seem like it was okay. Oh, this is this could go either way. (laughs) Like you know, watching it, that the Fratellis are bad, and they're abusing one of the children and their brother. But I just don't think that that would be on display. And it it was just yeah, it was bad. And And, I mean, it's just you know. Yeah, I mean, but the thing that kind of makes it even, you know, kind of ties it up with Chunk. I'm sorry, with Sloth. And I was thinking about Chunk. Is the relationship that Sloth and Chunk have almost instantly, like, obviously their first encounter is a little rough because, you know, Chunk is sitting there chained up in the chair with Sloth and everything like that. He's He's scared. He's scared. Which is understandable. Which is understandable for a kid. But then when he realizes that Sloth is more of a gentle giant. Mm-hmm. You know, he instantly, it's like they have a connection because they both realize. Baby Ruth? Yeah, well, one, they love Baby Ruth. Yeah. But not only that, they both feel a connection because they both, in some way, shape, or form, have been mistreated because yeah. of who they are now chunk obviously he's being mistreated because you know the body shaming him being chubby you know him you know him maybe having an eating disorder i don't know um and sloth is mistreated because you know his family they're just a bunch of assholes and you know they feel as though he's a burden and i think they're also afraid of him because he is so strong so i mean the actor was an nfl player right yeah the actor was an nfl player who was like all pro yeah he was um legit he had a couple super bowls i think a couple super bowls yeah oh i think i i think i might have written yeah it was but he passed away like pretty young away from an accidental um overdose yeah but so you know, the actor who played Sloth was naturally like a very, very large man. I think he was ranging at about six seven or six eight. But yeah, he was an all pro John uh Matusik? Yes, John Matusik. Um, yeah, he was a beast. Um but yeah, it it's ugh, yeah, just the way the the way sloth was treated but i mean he kicked ass in the end but um um let's see was there anything else oh i always look out for like lgbtqia slurs in movies because 
the eighties especially was like it was really rough. bad. It was, it was rough for that group. In the, the F 80s word. And, the 70s, um, yeah. and actually, like speaking of sloths again, the R word. I don't think they didn't say the R word even once they in this movie. They didn't say the R word once, and it makes you wonder why they didn't because because that mo- like, that word was so just everywhere. So it makes you wonder if the writers or maybe the director or maybe the producer or someone who had some type of connection to someone who was either autistic or mentally challenged and they decided that it was against you know their belief to say the word maybe yeah they're like it's okay to like show abuse but like we're not gonna we're not gonna say this word because whoever i'm surprised that because it seems like one of his brothers would have definitely called him that. Yeah. It, um, but yeah, so I was looking out for that. They didn't have, they didn't say the R word. They didn't say the F word. The only like borderline LGBTQ type slur, but not really, but it was just kind of like, ugh, um, was the boys, like when they were in the Fratelli's, bar or restaurant Mm -hmm. um and she was like giving them dirty water or whatever um I think it was Mikey was like yes sir or no sir or something like that like called her sir but it wasn't like it was basically because she's she was so like masculine and like militant kind of um but that was the only thing that and I don't even think it was I don't even think it was a, a it was trying to portray anything that was I think it was because, like you said, militant. Yeah, and he was afraid. Like, I I think that's what they were going for, but I I don't think that that would fly as much now. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't, I don't, I just don't think, uh, maybe I'm being, like, too nice, but I just, I think that, like, writers, screenwriters are, like, a little bit more conscientious of that stuff. Yeah. Now, um... Uh, and then the only other weird kind of like ish thing that I noticed was they made like an adoption joke at the beginning, um, that I don't think would fly now. Like, I forget who it was like, maybe mouth or maybe brand said that like Mikey was adopted, like as like a, a as like a negative. Yeah. Like, um, but I think that's kind of like, I hate to say it, but I, Sometimes that that could be also portrayed as the the big the older sibling little sibling type of thing. But yeah, I mean, when it comes to adoption, I mean, you don't really just you you don't really joke about you know, yeah in a negative way. Yeah, there's about, just certain about adoption. Yeah, like that. I just don't think yeah. I could see why it flew in 1985. But like, I just I just don't I don't know. I mean. You know, Judd Apatow, he might put that in a movie now, but... Oh, Judd. <laughs> Judd. We love Judd. Uh, problematic we'll Judd. We're definitely going to review a Judd Oh, movie. yeah, definitely. I'm um, a big fan. Um, so, just a little bit of miscellaneous info about the movie. So, the story was by Steven Spielberg. The screenplay was by Chris Columbus, who also did Gremlins, Young Sherlock Holmes, and he also directed Home Alone and Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, to name a few, the budget, this is just according to like Wikipedia, so it could be off. Um, Or maybe this was according to IMDb, which might be more accurate. 
Um, the budget was $19 million, and the worldwide box office was $61,749,000. So uh, they did pretty good. They, they netted pretty well. Yeah, they did uh, pretty good, I, I would say. I think they're probably, they're, they're, their highest paid actor was probably like Corey Feldman. <laughs> and Ding Dong, right? Aston, Mar- uh, Aston Martin. Sean, Sean Aston. Aston. Well, I don't know. I don't really know if Sean Aston was... I'm trying to think of... Was that his first thing? Yeah, I'm not sure if it was Sean Astin's first movie. I have. Um, because I, I know a lot of you, if you really think about it, um, I'm a huge, huge Sean Astin fan uh, when it comes to... Sean Astin Stan. Yeah, and the first oh, movie no, the Goonies I was saw his him first. in was The Goonies. It was The Goonies. That was his first thing. And you got to remember that... Corey Feldman had already been in some stuff. Corey Feldman's been in he some stuff. He was like stuff. already like a child star, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. maybe he was he had a few years over Sean Astin, so that was Sean Astin's first movie. Oh, yeah. And if you, a lot of you don't remember, you know, Sean Astin, you know, he hasn't, <laughs> it's not like he's disappeared. I mean, Sean Astin He's in Stranger Things. He was in Stranger Things. Oh, and Lord of the Rings. He was in Lord of the Rings. I've tried to block that out. Um, he was, you can't block out Lord <laughs> of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is life. Um, he was, you know, he was Frodo's best friend in Lord of the Rings. He was in Fifty uh, First Dates with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. He played Drew Barrymore's uh, brother, who was oh. um, who used steroids. Oh my gosh, <laughs> are you serious? Sh- oh, Sean Astin on roids. But, oh jeez. Um, oh yeah, Corey Feldman was already in five movies before yeah. The Goonies. So, he was in he was in The Gremlins. Yes, Corey Feldman was in Gremlins 1. He was the little boy who was the neighbor yeah. um, to the main character boy. And when, he was in Friday the 13th. Yeah, actually, Corey Feldman was responsible for, one of the people responsible for making the Gremlins spread throughout their town. But oh, we're not going to wow. talk about yeah, we'll Yeah, we'll, we'll cover that, because that was definitely one of but our faves. Given that type of budget, yeah, they, that, that kind of makes sense. And They kicked ass. Like, they yeah, made a shitload of money. And it has a 78% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is, you know, obviously, like, the Bible. Um, to certain people. N- I know. it's um, you know, Rotten Tomatoes can kick rocks. I, I'm just kidding. Um, but I feel like most people still regard this movie as, like, pretty high up there in ratings. Like, um, yeah. it's a cult classic for sure. Um, I personally, because of the treatment of... Oh, wait, wait, before we get to our ratings, we just want to say, how does this hold up in 2020? And I'm going to tell you what I wrote. Okay, so I would say that the film would be more diverse if made today, but I doubt it. I, I would like to say that it would be more diverse if it was made today, but I doubt it. I think it would omit the scenes of the Fratellis abusing sloth. Um... The reason I say that I don't think that it would necessarily be more diverse if it was made today is, for example, Stranger Things still only has one non-white character, and that is a new popular show, Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm pretty sure the dudes that created that show were like hardcore Goonie fans, because like Sean Astin is in their show, and they make like Goonie references. but uh so yeah it's like it would be cool if it was like rebooted or something with like a diverse cast but like 
um, really the the part with the with sloths like the treatment of sloth like does not hold up like at all um and it was kind of interesting because it seemed like the minority minority characters kind of ended up saving the day in a way because data uses his inventions to disarm the fratellis sloth and chunk swoop in on the pirate ship um like with the famous like hey you guys um and then Steph I'm considering her a minority character because she's not the quote-unquote hot chick um she punches out Mrs. Fratelli or Mama Fratelli and then Rosalita she's a woman of color she's an immigrant um she finds the jewels at the end Mm -hmm. which saves the families from losing their homes um I think it's like a little bit weird that she's only worked for the family for like a day or two and she's already like that invested in like saving their asses but like maybe she's just really kind but she could be on a work visa <laughs> it could be that maybe she's thinking like if they save their home then like she'll have a I, job yeah yeah i guess yeah yeah i would say i would think and you know i'm trying to be non-biased here because you know, The Goonies is literally one of my favorite movies of all time that yeah. drove my mother crazy. Yeah. Um, literally drove her insane how many times I watched the movies as a kid. Um, her eye still twitches to this day. She probably, yeah, gets triggered whenever you yeah, say Yeah, whenever Goonies. I even say, hey, you guys, She's like, I'm pretty uh, she, sure. I'm... She actually brought it up to me the other day. She was like, oh, Alfred was always watching that movie, you know, the one with the boys. And I was like, stand by me. She's like, no. I'm like, she's like, the one with the with the little Asian boy. I was like, oh, the Goonies. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I think, you know, trying to be non-biased. Yeah. I would think in 2020 that the movie would hold up overall. I think there were certain parts that probably wouldn't hold up, like you said. Yeah. The treatment of sloth. I think if they would re-release the movie again today i don't think that personally i don't think that it would be more diverse like diversity the reason i'm saying that is because of the region where it takes place in the united states it's pretty fucking white in oregon yeah so i me personally being you know a man of color being african-american I wouldn't take a man of color. I'm a man of. Sorry, that just. I'm a man of color. I've never heard you say that about yourself before. I'm a black guy. Yeah, yeah. No, but seriously, I would. Yeah. I, I would not take offense to it if yeah. they re-released it and they re-released it with a very similar set yeah. of characters because it's like it's fucking Astoria, it's Oregon. Oregon yeah it is not like, diverse there the only black folks or like Latinx folks in Oregon is maybe Portland and that's reaching even yeah so it's I like, mean dude you know come at us if you're like an Oregonian but like yeah. yo we know the history of Oregon so yeah. it's different like it's a good point because that's not as bad as when movies are supposed to take place in New York City, but it's, like, magically, like, all white people. It's like, dude, yeah, that's not all, New York. We all know that New York is a melting pot. Yeah, it's like... But Astoria, Oregon yeah, is it pretty makes much yeah. as Wonder Bread as you can get. Yeah, for sure. And it's just... Um, yeah, so I think it would hold up. And, and, and for them to re-release it, I personally think if they re-release The Goonies... With a new set of kids, I think it would be huge. I think so too, because like all the 
millennials, like we would all be like, I would all be about buying it. pre-sale tickets. We would be front row at oh, the yeah. fucking IMAX. The kids would be staying at home, and I would be wearing my shirt that I've had for like twenty years that says yeah. that says Trouble Shuffle. Yeah, and that would be sweet. Yeah, but that's just my opinion. Okay, well, so I I thought we could rate movies using movie candy. So like, I'm gonna use Red Vines. Because you know me and You're my an old woman. my old man candy. So, out of from one to five, I'm gonna give this two red vines. I was gonna give it three, but then I when I thought more about like the sloth stuff, I was yeah. like I can't. So like as much as I still like the movie, I'm actually really surprised at how well it did hold up, mm-hmm. um, and how little I was offended because I was going in expecting to be fucking pissed so we decided that when it comes to how I'm going to rate things I'm going to base it off of Sour Patch Kids because they are my jam and you know Haley likes Red Vines because she's like an old person when it comes to candy <laughs> um, but I think for myself um, you know I, I would love to give this thing you know five Sour Patch Kids one, because it's literally one of my childhood favorites and my adulthood favorites. Um, I still love the movie. I can probably watch it easily three, four, five times a day and not even get tired of seeing it. But because of, you know, the treatment of Sloth and the treatment of Rosalita, you know, I, I'm still going to be fair, but I'm still going to show my love for it and give it three and a half Sour Patch Kids. Um, that's legit I can't hate on that yeah I I think because I'm I'm such a diehard Goonies fan there's no way I can go below three but you know just being now conscious as an adult (laughs) and realizing that yo Sloth was like straight up like abused and they had it in a movie yeah and 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 like a comedy adventure for kids yeah like a comedy adventure for kids and being like, yo, Rosalita was kind of like bullied by mouth and, and you know, typecasted. And I'm like, huh, yeah, it's, you know, it was funny as a kid. And, and to this day, you know, it's still, you still laugh about the stuff that mouth says to Rosalita. But because be, I think it's because Rosalita, the, the actress, is playing the fuck out of that role yeah. despite what was yeah. given to her yeah. so yeah i think yeah I like think her facial expressions her facial and expressions yeah. and and you know I, and rosalita like i said before she has her triumphs you know when brand is laying on the floor tied up she's laughing at him because she's probably like ah oh, you stupid boy and mm-hmm. at the end of the day she saves the day too so yeah so for me three and a half sour patch kids that's Booyah. what uh, the, the goonies get from me i always say goonies for life goonies never say die and um i'm all about the truffle shuffle life Boom. Boom. Awesome. Well, uh, let us know what you guys think. Um, we're trying to figure out what our next episode will be. Like, maybe we could take a listener poll uh, if we had listeners, but maybe we can get, like, our friends and family to do a poll. <laughs> um, maybe, like, Wayne's World or... I don't know. We'll figure it out, but it'll be fun, whatever we choose. We'll do one of yours. Uh, one of mine. Um, maybe an Angelina Jolie joint from the 90s whatever we'll figure it yeah, out yeah we'll see um but anyway thank you so much for listening and we had so much fun 
and we're gonna go to bed because we have young children and they will be up at the crack of dawn they are christmas high right now um so yeah good night peace